As we continue in our series, Emmanuel, I want to talk to you today about fear. Sometimes people ask me if I still get nervous whenever I have to preach. And I think they're surprised when I tell them, yeah, a little bit. And they say, what? And I know they're surprised because, I mean, I have really been speaking publicly since I was 17 years old. I mean, almost every week of my life, sometimes multiple times a week, I have to stand up in front of a crowd and speak. And it reminds me of comedian Jerry Seinfeld, who, who said that he had read a study that said the number one fear of the common person is public speaking. He said that surprised him. The second greatest fear of the common person is death. He said, so <laughs> really death? That means if you attend a funeral, you would much rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy? Really? Is that the way it works? And I think all of us have fear in our lives, one kind of fear or the other. Maybe for you, it's uh, couched by that term, what if? Maybe your fears are about the what ifs of life. What if I have a terrible diagnosis in my next health checkup? What if I lose my job? What if, what if I'm not able to retire because I, I'm financially not ready? What if my child decides that they no longer want to do what they said they were going to do and go to college and get a good degree? Instead, they're just going to roam around and explore and experience life. What, what if? What if my adult daughter actually marries that jerk? <laughs> What if this preacher talks too long? I mean, all kinds of fears can creep into our hearts with the what if. And sometimes it's not what if, it's what you're experiencing now. It's not about an imaginary or possibility of a fear. It is a real fear that you're facing today. You're going through a difficult time in your life, something unexpected that has shaken you to your core. And it is what keeps you awake at night. And honestly, being a follower of Jesus doesn't immunize you from the fears of life. In fact, sometimes following Jesus as your Lord and Savior adds to the list of your fears. Because now you not only fear what might happen to you, you also fear what God might ask of you. We sometimes fear, God, what if God... What if God asked me to surrender my life to vocational ministry? What if God calls me to be a missionary? What if God tells me there's a habit in my life that it's time to give up because it's hurting me and it's hurting other people in my life? What if God gets up in my business and says, this has got to stop? What if God tells me I need to read my Bible more than I do? What if God wants me to pray? What if God wants me to attend church and be more active than what I am? What if God wants me to actually give money more in this next year than I did this year? And I'm already struggling. What if? We have all these questions about what if may happen in our lives, but also what God might ask of us. In fact, I think that's why some people keep God at a distance. Do you have anyone, and don't, don't say this out loud, but do you have anybody in your life that if you're out in public and you, you see them, you kind of go the other way? Because you're going, oh no, I can't believe he's here. I, he's going to ask me for something. He, he will always want something from me. And you kind of go the other way. I think that's how we do God sometimes. Maybe one of the reasons some people don't pray more is they don't want to hear back from God. They're afraid of what he's going to say to them. Maybe the reason they don't read their Bible more is they're afraid that God is going to get into their business and God's going to say, here's my plan for your life. 
That's why they don't really commit to being faithful to church. It's kind of like a concert. You may go to it once in a while, but it's not, it's not a body of believers that you're committed to because you want to join God in his mission in the world. So we just kind of keep God, we keep God at a distance. But listen, God's not in the business of keeping us comfortable. In fact, the scriptures are replete with examples of God calling people out of their comfort zone to join him in the great work he's doing in the world. Because we have a big God who's up to some big things in this world, and he wants us to be a part of that. He's got a plan for your life, and he wants to be a part of your life so that you can join him in his mission in the world. And that does sometimes cause us fear. His plan sometimes does call us out of our comfort zones. His plan often reminds us that he's God and we're not. And that our response to him ought to be, God, I'm here to do your will. What is it that you want of me today? But that can be scary. I'm just going to be honest with you. Getting serious about your relationship with God can at times be scary. But what should scare us more is missing out on what God wants to do in our lives. And listen, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not sure what you believe about God, I'm going to tell you, God loves you. Christmas is the reminder of how God wants to be a part of your life and he came near so that he could be with you and he's got a good plan for your life. And he wants you not to be afraid. He wants you to let him in and he wants you to know that he's got something great for you. And so today I'm going to talk to you about fear not. As we think about what it means to join God in his work in our lives and what it means to be obedient to God, even when he calls us out of our comfort zones, when he does get personal, when he does get in our business, when he does change our plans, fear not whenever God does say, I know this is what you thought and what you wanted and what you expected, but here's what I want for your life. And in those moments, we don't have to be afraid and the way he wants to work in our life will be a blessing not only to us, but a blessing to others through us. Living for God makes a difference not only in our lives, but it makes a difference in other people's lives. We see this illustrated all throughout the Bible. But today what I want to do is take you to the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 26, and look at the life of the mother of Jesus. Mary, when she was just a teenage girl, God interrupted her plans. And God said, I know you've got all your plans laid out for your future, for your marriage, for your family, for what it's going to look like for you in the future. But Mary, don't be afraid. I've got other plans for you. And these are good plans. Plans that will bless not only you, but bless the world through you. And listen, the same way that Mary responded is an example to us of how we ought to respond when God reveals his will for our lives too. And so in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, we see the Christmas story. And we begin with verse 26 when it tells us, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. This sixth month means the sixth month of Mary's cousin's pregnancy. Elizabeth was pregnant too, and, and hers was a miracle as well. She wasn't a virgin, she was an old woman. Who, who never thought she'd have a child, but God gave her a child who would later grow up to be the man we know, John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of the Messiah, who went to prepare Israel for the coming of Jesus. So in the sixth month, God sends Gabriel, an angel, a messenger of God, to this little bitty backwater town named Nazareth, 
Verse 27, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Verse 28, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Verse 29, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. There Mary is, this young teenage girl, some say maybe 14, 15, 16 years old. She's already been engaged through an arranged marriage between her family and Joseph's family. And during this betrothal period, it's as good as being married in that culture. And she's excited about her wedding day that is coming up. And she's excited about starting her life with Joseph. I just picture her maybe sitting in her bedroom with her knees pulled up to her chin, reading the scriptures of the Old Testament, thinking about God, asking for God's blessings on her plans. God, I'm so excited about Joseph. Thank you for sending him into my life. Can't wait to start a family with him. He's going to build us a house because he's a carpenter and I can't wait to decorate that house and to get everything ready. And then one day, Joseph and I are going to start a family, God. And it's going to be so exciting. And we're going to raise our children and we're going to grow old and happy together. There she is, just this teenage girl with all of these hopes and dreams and ambitions. And bursting into her life unexpected is an angel sent by God with a message that astounds her. And Gabriel just shows up. Doesn't send a, a little letter ahead of time, get ready on such and such day, I'm showing up. No, he just shows up and startles this teenage girl. And he shows up and he just blurts out this message. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. <laughs> I remember the first time as a young pastor, I was asked to go and tell a family that their loved one had passed away. And... I was walking out of the nursing home room and I was going to my car. I'm probably 18, 19 years old at the time. And I'm thinking, I've never had to do this. I don't know what to say when I get to this home. How do you, how do you share this news? And to my horror, I was not halfway down the hallway until I met that family coming towards me. And I had to tell them before they walked in the room. Later, the husband said, you know, you didn't really prepare us for that. And I said, how do you prepare for that? And, you know, I think maybe Gabriel would have said, how do you prepare to go tell a teenage girl, uh, guess what? All your plans are about to change. God's got bigger plans for you than you could ever imagine. So he just cuts to the chase. Greetings, O favored one, one upon whom God's grace rests. The Lord is with you. But Mary is frightened. She is scared silent. She doesn't say a word. Maybe the song she's singing is silent fright. I mean, she's sitting there thinking, what has just happened? By the way, whenever you think about angels, sometimes our modern culture has these pictures of little chubby babies with halos on their head and wings and they're plucking harps and they're sitting on clouds. That is nowhere found in scripture. In fact, anytime people in the scripture saw an angel, it freaked them out every single time. And Mary is no exception. So Gabriel tries to comfort her. Look at verse 30. 
And the angel said to her, do do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Mary, I'm not here because you're in trouble. Mary, I'm here because you have found favor with God. But I'm afraid his next words may have frightened her even more. (laughs) Verse 31, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. I don't think that comforted Mary in the way that Gabriel thought it would. I I, I don't think this helped matters in alleviating her fear. Gabriel has said, even though you're a virgin, even though you've never been with a man, you're going to conceive a child and, and this is not going to be any child. Your child's going to be great. And your child is going to be none other than the Son of the Most High, the Son of God. Your son is going to be the long-awaited Messiah of Israel who is the rightful heir to the throne of King David. And unlike David who lived and reigned and died, your son's kingdom will never end. His reign will never end. He will reign over the house of Jacob and of his kingdom there will be no end. And you can only imagine the millions of questions going through Mary's mind as she hears Gabriel spout out the plan of God for her life. I can only imagine what some of those questions were. Whoa, who am I? I live in a little backwater town called Nazareth. People joke about our town. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And yet you're here telling me that the Messiah is going to be born by me? How how in the world does that even make sense? I mean, that doesn't make sense. And what's it going to be like? When, When is this going to happen? But the first question that Mary blurts out, verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Gabriel, you're not the only one who can just cut to the chase. I'm going to cut to the chase. I've heard everything you've said. I got a million questions, but let's just get to the bottom line. How is it possible? Because I'm a virgin. And I may be a young teenage girl, but I know enough about human anatomy and I know enough about where babies come from to know that this is not the way it works. Virgins don't have children. That's just not the way it works. I've never been with Joseph in that way. I've never been with anyone in that way. How will this be? And this is not Mary disbelieving the message of God through Gabriel. This is just Mary trying to make sense of the plan of God. She just doesn't understand. There's one big problem with your plan, Gabriel, with God's plan. I've never been with a man. That's just not the way it works. By the way, God is still in the business of calling us to do things that are impossible, that don't make sense, that seem foolish and outlandish to other people. Has God ever called you to leave a lucrative job in order to go into ministry? I know people who have done that. 
that they left a great paying job to go into ministry. And people wondered, what are you doing? Why would you leave that kind of job? Has God called you to call off an engagement? Because the relationship's not healthy. And everybody else says, I can't believe you're doing that. I can't believe you're calling it off. Sometimes God does that. Has God ever called you to give to a missionary offering whenever you're thinking, you know, that's going to mean I've got to adjust my budget because I didn't budget for that. I didn't plan for that. I don't have margin for that. But God, you're calling me to give generously to that? Has God ever called you out of your comfort zone to say, it's time you go talk to your friend about Jesus. They need Jesus, and you're the one I'm sending to tell them about Jesus. But, but, but I don't know what to say, God. God, what if they get offended? What if it hurts our friendship? What if, what if people laugh at me because of my faith in Jesus? But God calls us out of our comfort zone, and that's what he's doing to Mary. And God's plans for you may cause more questions and, and concern. So Gabriel continues, verse 35, And the angel answered her, I don't think this helps either. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. In other words, Mary, I know that you have never been with a man. I know that you're a virgin, but this is a miracle that's going to take place here. No human intervention and no sexual activity required. It's the work of the Holy Spirit, just as the Holy Spirit brooded over creation In Genesis chapter 1, the Holy Spirit has the same power to create life in your womb. And that's why this child is going to be the Holy One of God. Because he doesn't have an earthly father. This is a miracle of God. And to give you some proof that God's in the miracle working business, verse 36, And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Gabriel says, Mary, God can do anything. That's the nature of a miracle. God can do this. Yes, it's humanly impossible. Yes, it doesn't make sense. Yes, there's nothing that you could ever do to accomplish this on your own. But God is in the miracle working business. In fact, your own relative Elizabeth is a living example of this in her old age she has conceived just like God said she would God enabled her to get pregnant and just as God was able to do that in Elizabeth's life God can take care of giving you a child and that my friend is the reminder that Mary needed for with God nothing is impossible And when you hear that, you then have a choice to make at Christmas. Will I believe God? Will I trust God? Will I put my confidence in Him? Or will I keep trying to figure things out on my own and live life on my own terms? One of my favorite passages of Scripture is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, where we're commanded, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. 
But in all your ways acknowledge God and He will direct your paths. There's going to come a point in all of our lives when we're afraid and we're confused. And in that moment, we're either going to have to choose to lean on what we can figure out and what we can do and what we can understand, or we're going to have to trust that with God, all things are possible. And if He's calling me to live for Him in this way, then He is responsible for the outcome. I'm responsible for obedience. He's responsible for the outcome. I'm going to trust Him. And how does Mary respond? Verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. That is an astounding statement from a teenage girl. She says, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. I'm here to do God's will. Life is not about me. Life's not about my plans, my preferences. Life's not about my agenda. Life's about the Lord and living for Him. I'm, I'm the servant of the Lord, and it is God's prerogative to tell me to do whatever He wants me to do. I surrender to Him. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me just like you've said. If... if we don't understand anything. We need to understand what Mary is doing here. She is signing a blank check and giving it to God. Saying, fill out the amount. I'll pay any price. She is signing at the bottom of a blank contract. No lawyer would tell you to do that. Do not sign a blank contract. No, you need to know the details. You've got to know the specifics. You've got to know the risk and the rewards involved in this contract. But Mary says, I will sign a blank contract and hand it to God. And I trust God with my life. And I trust Him with my future. And I trust Him with my questions. I trust Him with my fears. I trust Him with the uncertainties of all my days. God, I am your servant. Have your will and way in my life. I give it to you, God. And that's the lesson that I want us to learn today is that because God can do anything, I can trust Him with everything. Because God can do anything, I then can trust Him with everything. God, I can trust you with my time. I can trust you with my talents. I can trust you with my money, my treasure. God, I can trust you with my testimony of my faith in you. God, I can trust you with my body. I can trust you with my family. I can trust you with my future. I can trust you with my fears. And God, your will doesn't always make sense to me, and I don't know how things are going to work out. I know Romans chapter 8, verse 28 is your promise to make all things work together for good to those who love you. But God, I'm going to be honest. There are times it doesn't make sense to me how you're going to do it or why you allowed me to go through this. But God, I signed a blank check. God, I signed a blank contract. And knowing that you can do anything, I'll trust you with everything. I'll trust you with my life. I'll trust you with my future. And what does that mean for me and you today? Because there are so many ways that we can never relate to Mary. We can never relate to her place in the redemptive history of God where God chose her by His grace to be the mother of God, the mother of the Savior, 
the mother of God in flesh. There's no way that we could ever relate to her on that level. But don't you see, Mary doesn't say, put me up here. I'm just the servant of the Lord. And that's where you and I can relate to her. Because we too are just servants of God. A God who is good and a God who has good plans and a God who is up to good things and big things in this world, even if we don't always understand it and make sense of it. But just like Mary, we can surrender our will to His will. We can decide because God can do anything. I can trust Him with everything in my life. That doesn't mean, however, that from this point forward, everything went well for Mary in her life and she was now on easy street because living for God, you know, makes everything nice and easy. No. As a matter of fact, from this point forward, everything in her life became more difficult and more complicated. All the way to the point where we see her standing at the foot of a cross over 33 years later, watching her son die. That's what it cost her. And yet at the same time, we see her on the other side of the cross with other believers worshiping Jesus as Lord and Savior, knowing that because God can do anything, including raise someone from the dead, then I can trust him with everything. What does that mean for me and you tomorrow morning? Well, maybe that means that God's calling you to finally say, God, I'm willing to forgive that person who hurt me. God, because you could do everything I can trust you with, everything I'm going to give financially like you've asked me to give. I'm going to stop making excuses. God, because you can do anything and I can trust you with everything, I'm going to surrender my life to be that missionary that you've been calling me to be. I'm going to be that preacher that you've called me to be. God, I'm going to give my life to your work like you've been whispering in my ear you want me to do. God, I'm going to tell my spouse from this day forward, God's going to be first in our lives. God, I'm going to start sharing the gospel with my family and my friends because I've been silent for too long. You've told me what you want me to do, to go and tell others about you, and I've been quiet, and I've been fearful of what people might think of me. And I've not shared my faith with a single person this year. But God, that's going to change. Maybe for you it means I'm going to finally get baptized. I committed my life to Jesus a long time ago or recently, and I know what Jesus said, that I'm to be baptized to identify myself with him who died for me, who was buried, and who rose from the dead. And because of that, I'm going to hear your word, and I'm going to obey your word. I'm going to sign up to get baptized. I'm going to go public with my faith in Jesus, finally. Or maybe for you, God, I'm going to finally put you first in my relationships. The best thing I can ever do for my boyfriend or the best thing I could ever do for my girlfriend or the best thing I could ever do for my wife or the best thing I could ever do for my husband or the best thing I could ever do for my kids or for my parents or my friendships is not to love them first, but to love you first. And I'll love them best when I love you most. And God, you're going to be first in my life. Listen, I don't know what it looks like for you to surrender your will to God's will. 
But I know this, you know it. Every single person in this room today or every single person watching online or every single person listening to this podcast knows deep down there's something in your life God's called you to do and to this point you've not done it. To this point you've not said yes. To this point you've allowed fear to keep you still rather than moving forward with God. And today you know what that is in your life. And today I'm going to ask you, join Mary Come and stand by her side and say, I'm just the servant of the Lord. Let God's will be to me as he has spoken. And listen, if it's really God's will, there's a couple of tests that it will pass. The first test it'll pass, if it's really God's will, is it will be in keeping with what God has already taught in his word, the scriptures. Everything God did in Mary's life can be traced back to hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament that were now being fulfilled in her life. If God's telling you to do something that's not in Scripture, in fact, it contradicts Scripture, that's not God's will for you. And not only is that the first test, is it revealed in Scripture? The principle that God's asking you to live by, is it revealed in Scripture? The second test is this. Will it bring glory and honor to God And it will be a blessing to someone else. God's will always brings honor and glory to his name. And it always blesses other people. And there are people right now who know what God's called you to do. It's time to do it. So here's your homework this week. I'm going to ask you to pray every morning this week. I'm just going to ask you to do it five times this week. Five times every time this week. Pray each morning, God, I'm willing to fulfill your will. That's the prayer I want you to write down. I want you to put it somewhere you'll be reminded of it. And every morning as you get out of bed or every morning as you're getting ready to go to work or to go to school or put it on the dashboard of your car so that on your way to work, you're reminded that you're a servant of the Lord, that you're here to do his will. God, I am willing to fulfill your will. That should be your prayer. That should be my prayer. And if we will do that, we'll understand why the angel said to Mary, fear not. And maybe for you this morning, fulfilling the will of God for your life begins with trusting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Let's do that right now. Wherever you are, wherever you're listening or watching, you can trust him right now. Let's pray together, and I'm going to help you do just that. Dear God, I thank you for the reminder today through the life of Mary that we have nothing to fear when it comes to living for you. Father, The only thing we ought to fear is missing out on your plan for our lives. And so, God, I pray that today every follower of Jesus in this place would pray today and they'll pray each day this week, God, I am willing to fulfill your will today. And God, we pray that by your grace and through your strength, you would help us to do just that, to join you in the work you're doing in our lives and in this world. And we thank you and praise you for a good thing that you're going to do. Father, we also pray if there's someone today that's never received Jesus, that this will be the day that right now as they pray, that they would say to you, Dear God, that's right, friend, pray wherever you are. Dear God, I admit to you I am a sinner. But God, I thank you for loving me in spite of my sin. And you proved your love for me by sending Jesus into this world, not only as a baby in the manger, but as a man when he died on the cross. And God, I know that he died for my sin and for my wrong. 
But not only did Jesus die, he rose from the dead. And because of that, today, I put my faith in him. I put my confidence in him to forgive me of my sin and to give me the gift of eternal life. And I thank you right now by faith that I have received eternal life and forgiveness. Because Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God, thank you for this. We praise you for this. Now help us not to be ashamed of Jesus, but to help us to go public with him by letting the church know or by scheduling our baptism so that we can let the world know, I'm willing to fulfill God's will in my life. And God will give you praise as we take our next step of obedience into your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.